0: Name, Helvetica, release date 1957, designer Max Miedinger and Edward Hoffman, classification neo-grotesque sans serif, owned by the Haas Type Foundry, and claim to fame, the world's most ubiquitous typeface. Born out of the need for rational typefaces that work in a variety of areas, for example, signage or corporate identity, its legibility is key. It's interwoven into the very fabric of brands' identities and of our everyday lives, whether we realize it or not. In fact, it's probably in your home right now. Let's start in the bathroom oral B. How about in the kitchen? Well, from Tupperware to Target. In the closet? The North Face, Fendi, Urban Outfitters. In the garage. Jeep, BMW, Toyota, and GM. And that's just scratching the surface. It's everywhere. It's iconic. It's Helvetica. Helvetica was born when the Haas type foundry wanted to make a modernized version of Accidents Grotesque, a classic 19th century German sans serif typeface. Helvetica's original, and not-so-catchy name, was Die New Haas It was later named Helvetica, based on the Latin word for Switzerland, so it could be more easily marketed in the U.S. If you haven't yet seen Helvetica, the feature-length documentary released in 2007 to coincide with Helvetica's 50th anniversary, it's definitely worth a watch. It's an excellent account of the world's most ubiquitous typeface, Helvetica, that appears in so many different places in our lives. Helvetica's success rests on its clarity. Its letter forms are inherently readable and clear. At its core, Helvetica is about the figure-ground relationship. It looks just as good as black text on a white background as it does in reverse. It has a supportive surrounding space, in other words. Furthermore, one of the most characteristic things about Helvetica is its horizontal, sliced-off terminals in lowercase a, c, e, and g. Typography can be defined as creating order out of letters, and Helvetica does just that. It's a neutral typeface that doesn't have a lot of meaning in and of itself. It's kind of like the tofu of typefaces. It soaks up whatever identity it needs to in the context in which it's placed, and the appeal of Helvetica is that it's open to interpretation. The term typographic voice is helpful here, referring to typefaces' ability to represent the brand. They help with the sort of subliminal prompting, as it were. So, for example, seeing the same message written in a grunge font versus Helvetica is meant to be perceived in very different ways. This helps explain why Helvetica is so popular in representing the identity of major brands and governments. The letter forms seem neutral and efficient, yet their smoothness reads human, and more accessible, transparent, and accountable. For big companies who are constantly fighting the image that they are oppressive, authoritarian, bureaucratic, communicating in Helvetica provides an undercurrent of associated humanness to underlay their messaging. Graphic designer Lars Mueller describes the typeface this way. I think I'm right calling Helvetica the perfume of the city It is something we just don't notice usually, but we would very much miss if it wasn't there. Now let's look at the faces behind the typeface. Max Miedinger and Edward Hoffman. Miedinger worked for Hoffman at Haas Type Foundry, and at this time Haas Type Foundry was controlled by a German type foundry, Stempel, which was controlled by Linotype. It's interesting to note that Miedinger wasn't a designer when he worked for Hoffman at Haas. He was a salesman. He traveled around Switzerland selling type for the foundry, and even though he was a skilled designer, he could make more money selling. In addition to his sales work, Miedinger created the drawings for Helvetica, and Hoffman had a much larger role to play in Helvetica's creation than most history books give him credit for. And this is based on type designer Matthew Carter's first-hand accounts in the 1950s and 1960s. As part of the Helvetica documentary, famous designers were interviewed and they had mixed emotions and feelings about Helvetica. Let's look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. First, the good. Some designers who were interviewed really think that Helvetica is an excellent typeface and find that the creative constraint with making it speak in different voices invigorating. It can be what you want it to be. There's as much personality in the spacing as there is in the letters themselves. Helvetica is what you make it. The bad not all type designers believe that Helvetica is still a great typeface. Instead, they think that it represents the world 70 years ago and has just become a default typeface today. It's air. It's there, says Eric Spikerman. The Ugly In the 1970s, many designers saw Helvetica as oppressive and boring and flat and the face of faceless corporations and decided to change things up. Designer and illustrator Paula Scheer tied Helvetica to the Vietnam War and wanted to stray as far away from it as possible. She began exploring how to use hand drawn and illustrative typography to give type personality all on its own for each and every project. She played a lot with color and spacing and movement. Furthermore, David Carson, who pioneered grunge typography in the 1980s and 1990s, he's been called the godfather of grunge and the Kurt Cobain of typography, used this expressive type and hand lettering to rebel against Helvetica. As Carson recalls, the 80s and 90s typography revolution that thrived on messy, heavy type to express every emotion that the wayward generation of the time was feeling. Carson, who is very much against Helvetica and what it stands for, goes on to explain this. Don't confuse legibility with communication, and just because something's legible doesn't mean it communicates, and more importantly, doesn't mean it communicates the right thing. There's a very thin line between simple and powerful and clean and simple and powerful and boring. Whether you're for or against Helvetica and what it stands for, one thing is for certain. Helvetica has a rival and her name is Ariel. While Helvetica was designed in the 1950s, owned by Linotype and licensed to Apple for use in their operating systems, Arial was designed by Monotype Corporation in 1982, and it was used in Microsoft's OS in 1992. One of the goals of Arial was to compete directly with Helvetica. As described by type author Eileen Stiver in an article for Creative Pro, Helvetica is a sharper, crisper design with more stylish details and a slightly more rectangular or less rounded appearance. These traits can be seen in the leg of the capital R and the curved diagonal on the numeral two, more accentuated stroke endings, and blunt horizontal or vertical end strokes on many characters. Ariel is the more rounded of the two designs with softer, fuller curves and more open counters. It has an overall less elegant, blander appearance that reproduces well in lower resolution environments. It also has a diagonal terminal on the T as well as the numeral one, and a curved tail on the cap Q. Whether you like the look of Helvetica or Ariel better, or neither, Both are very popular, but Arial is more widely used than Helvetica simply because of its widespread availability on Windows computers. In closing, modern-day type design marvel, Tobias Frere-Jones, likens using the wrong typeface to casting the wrong actor in a role. It will ultimately affect your experience. You'll still follow the plot, but it'll be less convincing and you'll be less affected by the production. To further this analogy, a designer choosing typefaces is like a casting director selecting actors for roles, bringing a whole new meaning to the term typecast. Frere Jones says this, If you're not a designer, use Helvetica Bold in one size and it will look good. And that's exactly what my favorite show, The Office, did for their logo. Fitting, no? No. Thank you, Mr. Miedinger and Mr. Hoffman, for your important contributions to an incomplete history of type. From the Middle Ages to the Middle East, from Futura to Freight, thanks for joining us on a journey across the type universe and going where no designer has gone before. Next up, let's take a zaff Chancery on an important figure in type design.